1: Disney Decipher, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we recap Joe's recent trip to Disneyland in August. Final episodes of this podcast at DisneyDecipher.com or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast and receive bonus content like live trip reports, check us out on patreon.com slash Disney Decipher. You can also support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing Joseph Chung at Travelmation.net. If you have any questions for us, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies.
0: And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes.
1: And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. Leslie and I have not touched a podcast, at least this podcast, for three weeks three and a half weeks now i've had a nice vacation i was doing a lot of traveling and so we're coming right back with the trip report we'll be back with the magic kingdom genie plus strategies after this one but we thought we'd take a little bit of a break uh, because i recently went to disneyland via new zealand and australia leslie so i took a trip to new zealand and australia for the women's world cup and on the way back i came through la and spent a few days there and went to Disneyland. So if you're interested in the South Pacific portion of the trip, uh, you can check that out on the Mouse Memories podcast. I talked about that all there and didn't talk about Disney at all. So we're going to talk about Disneyland today. Before we get to Disneyland, Leslie, actually, before we get to what I was going to get to, uh, why don't we start by thanking some patrons who have signed up recently since we have not been in town for like a month?
0: Yes, uh, we have a couple of new Patreon supporters. Thanks so much to neglected neopet and to jeffrey c if you're interested in supporting the podcast getting bonus content like our trip reports and our unfiltered episodes you can go to patreon.com slash disney deciphered and we really really appreciate everybody's support um gonna probably have some interesting bonus content coming up my son today as we're recording is in universal studios hollywood and super nintendo land so i think i'm going to put that as a little bonus coming out soon
1: Oh, nice. Without you. That's, that's sad. Yeah. And when I was in Disneyland, of course, um, we do bonus content when we're in the parks with daily trip reports. And like I'd almost forgotten that I was going to Disneyland. So it was like a surprise trip report to me. But uh, we had a lot of fun there. Before we get to Disneyland itself, Leslie, I did want to tell you about my um, cruise ship obsessed son, which we can thank Disney Cruise Line for that a little bit when we got to LA insisted on going to see the queen mary do you know what that is
0: yeah yeah i know that's amazing i love um that he loves all forms of, tra- of transportation but cruise ships like probably weren't on my bingo card like i didn't know that counted too for him
1: i guess i guess so so um <laughs> Now, I was like, oh, how am I going to, like, you were going to drive down to Anaheim and, like, go back. I know Long Beach isn't that far away. That's where the Queen Mary is, for those of you who don't know the Queen Mary. Actually, you're going to have to ask my son about that because I'm not the expert. But it was, like, a bit of a logistical question for me. But my parents came to, uh, well, both to Australia, which is where our relatives are, um, but also to L.A. with us. And we flew into the airport at the same time on different flights. And then I was like hey dad you like transportation don't you do you don't you and mom want to take uh your grandson to go see the queen mary so i actually i was a little disappointed not to go but it was going to be too crazy I, i we don't have time to get into it here but leslie dealing with the jet lag did make disneyland a little bit interesting actually it'll come up a little bit but they got to see the queen mary and just to prove that you know la is not only about disneyland for us uh, he got to check that out and he was really excited. He got some cool pictures of him in the engine room and stuff like that. And it's only like 20 bucks or something for an hour tour. And he seemed to think it was worth it. If you have any kid who is obsessed with transportation like mine, uh, maybe check that out.
0: Good to know about he's ahead of me. I have never been, but I was on a cruise ship of my own at the time while you were at Disneyland, I was cheating on Disney and, uh, went aboard celebrity to Alaska. So, uh, I guess we'll have blog posts on that to come.
1: Yeah, I'm waiting for your kids to be in school so you can finally write that post. So uh, look, <laughs> I'll look get for there. that sometime, sometime before Labor Day, hopefully. Cross your fingers, uh, folks. Tripswithtykes.com. Uh, the other funny thing, Leslie, is they operate it as a hotel now. And he's like, can we stay there next time? And I was like, oh gosh. You know, so uh, which brings us to Disneyland. I stayed at the Grand Californian, I wonder how much more it would cost. To uh, stay at the Queen Mary, or like, you know, I bet you it's pretty expensive. But I thought, uh, you know, no time to do a full like trip report, but I think to hit some of the highlights of our trip, I th- thought it would be good to take a look at kind of different decisions that you make when you're doing a Disney trip and my experience with those decisions. So we'll start with staying on site or off site at Disneyland. Off site was not too bad. So we stayed at the Grand California, but my parents stayed at the Fairfield. Which is, you know, right, it's, it's a, I Google mapped it. It was a half mile walk to the um, ticket booths, which mattered because my mom's getting older. She's not as mobile. And, you know, actually, a funny thing I realized about Disneyland is that if you're not walking, it actually is a little bit more annoying um, to be off site because, or, or on site, actually, frankly, because since Disneyland is so much more walkable. Like If you are mobility impaired or like like my mother just can't put that many miles on, it makes a difference because if you're half a mile away, you're going to walk most likely. But if you don't walk, you're going to take a 0.25 mile Uber and then walk another 0.25 miles. So I actually walked over to their hotel to pick up my son after the whole Queen Mary thing. And I will say that You know, the hotels are nice. The offsite hotels, you know, they're just like, you know, you can have, it ranges the gamut from a Westin to, you know, you have nicer hotels to not as nice hotels. And the walking distance did make things really convenient. My parents said that it wasn't too bad for them to walk to meet us in the park. So I think that's a definite plus. And it's obviously you're gonna save a ton of money by being offsite. One thing I did notice visiting the offsite hotels though, Leslie, is there's something about like, as soon as you leave, like the disney bubble has popped and i was like man um anaheim is dirty which is not very fair to anaheim because all cities are kind of dirty but i was like this is not like all of a sudden like even the garbage cans like as soon as i exited disney property were like overflowing and like we ate we ate at the mcdonald's next to my parents fairfield and like you know it was kind of a mess a little bit of a mess in there and stuff like that so you know that's just something to bear in mind i think still saving like hundreds of dollars a night Will probably you know tip the scales, but there was something nice about uh, being on site. So even though offsite was so close, uh, it did feel different going out there into the real world.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I think a lot of folks who live in California would tell you it's gotten worse in the last couple of years. I mean, since the pandemic and with it being closed for so long and abandoned for so long, it's it's rougher than it used to be. It's still not what I would consider rough. But you you see the the cracks a little bit more than maybe you did in 2018 or something like that. I mean, it always was a lower budget, right? It always felt like you were going to these motel style properties across the street. But they were they're still like fun and themed. And, you know, I, I do love the Fairfield. That's the hotel that I would say that I've stayed in the most of all of the off-property hotels over the course of my Disneyland, you know, two-decade career, whatever whatever it is. That's, that's kind of our go-to um, just because of the proximity and the combination of the you know, the mo- the basic amenities that you need and none of the frills that you necessarily don't if you're not going to be in your hotel very much. So, so I think you had a great pick there. I don't think all of them will be necessarily quite as great, but um, the right combination of like price and location there.
1: Yeah. The other nice thing about being offsite is there are a lot of food options. Um, if you... Don't want to spend as much money like McDonald's. Obviously, my dad was like super excited to eat at Tony Roma's. I was like, okay, man, Tony Roma's hasn't been good since the nineties, but that's that's okay, Dad. You do, you do, you. Um, and so there's lots of options now. Flipping to being on site at the Grand Californian, obviously there's a lot of Disney food options, but I will say that really the nicest thing about being the Grand Californian, besides you know having the Disney level of service and the Disney level of room quality and stuff like that is having that direct access to California Adventure. Um, and I was thinking about it, and you know Disneyland Hotel is at the end of Downtown Disney. So it's about a you know, five, 10 minute walk, depending how fast you're walking to get to the gates. But then for the Grand Californian, it's like direct entry into California Adventure. And that really actually affected our touring. I ended up making our park reservations for California Adventure every single day. Um, And so it's really nice to just walk into California adventure first. I'll talk about why that didn't really matter uh, in a little bit, but really enjoyed that convenience. I would say that as a hotel, I probably preferred the Disneyland hotel um, for the stay, but it's tough to beat that direct entrance into California adventure. Although it does hurt when uh, California adventure closes at 10 PM. If you want to close down Disneyland at midnight, um, you have to walk all the way around to get back in. We did not close down Disneyland at midnight for that very reason.
0: Yeah, I mean, technically, you're really not walking any farther, Joe, if you're leaving Disneyland. (laughs) That's Um, not what (laughs) Google Maps (laughs) said. It's not true. I mean, it depends on where your room is in the Grand Californian. I guess if your room is right near that entrance into DCA, then yes, maybe the walk is a little bit farther if you have to go through Downtown Disney instead. But if you're on like the far wing, which I sometimes am, like at the very far end on the other side, uh, six and one half
1: dozen. Well, that's good to know. I didn't want to like risk it, you know. I just went by what Google Maps said when you know California Adventure was closed and stuff like that. I didn't want to risk it because at times it was just me and the three kids. So again, staying on site it's a lot more expensive. I think it's nice to splurge at least once um, for Disneyland, but you could definitely get away with saving money by staying off site and walking. Now the next decision that we had to make it was kind of made for us. Leslie um, and that was deciding whether to rope drop either Disneyland or California adventure or to not rope drop it. Now you typically tend to rope drop. So do you want to explain your reasoning for, you know, why you like all the, all the benefits of rope dropping at Disneyland?
0: sure so disneyland has a lot of attractions that aren't available as genie on genie plus so if you want to sort of hit them with shorter weights the the best time to do that often is at rope drop um you know of course like uh, disney world you've got the early entry 30 minutes into either park but because it's only available to guests of three hotels it doesn't get busy. There still is like a meaningful rope drop for people who are staying off property as well. Uh, lines are still really short, basically for everything except for Peter Pan. That's like the only ride that gets uh, gets too long for for regular guests. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in just sort of hitting those non-Genie Plus attractions. A lot of the little things in Fantasyland or or getting an extra ride in on some of the headliners that maybe I'll do later in the day a second time with Genie+. Plus, So I, I really like to do that, So in, you know, including Fantasyland, uh, Pirates, and Jungle Cruise. So those are all kind of like my morning lineup when I'm going into a Disneyland Park. Not as essential for DCA. So I want to hear, I mean, I know you couldn't do rope drop because, you know, jet lag and late arrival off of an airplane, et cetera, et cetera. But um, how did the rope drop versus the not rope drop work out for you?
1: Yeah. So the original plan was, um, and we did this was to go to Disneyland that whole first day. So when you come back from Australia, you leave Australia in the morning and you land in America in the morning. Um, and so it's really hard to sleep on the plane, um, no matter what you're flying. And so we left at 10 AM and we were supposed to arrive at like 6 45 AM. And by the way, Leslie, customs so easy these days with global entry they like I don't know they've memorized my face it's kind of scary but was through customs in like two minutes uh, which uh, neither here nor there but the original plan was to get in and actually get you know we knew we weren't gonna like rope drop rope drop Disneyland but like get in by like 9 or 9 30 and get there pretty early but there was a delay and you know we ended up being more tired than we thought um, and so we didn't get into the park that first day until 11 30 now the, the days after that Leslie, I I messaged you. Uh, The first night in California, my kids slept or one of my kids slept legit 15 and a half hours. She went to bed at like eight at nine o'clock and woke up at 1230 p.m. So no rope drop was happening. And so after we were there at Disneyland for three days. And so when on the Friday she woke up at 1230, I was like, there is no way that we're rope dropping on Saturday, no matter what. So that decision was made for us. And you know what it ended up being okay. I think um one thing about Disneyland is um and I think we were at a real advantage because of us going to Disney World. Because of that, it was like things like Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, um Big Thunder Mountain, even Space Mountain even though I know it's a little bit different. Like we weren't like dying to go on those things, but we could be much more picky about going on the attractions that we really wanted to go on Guardians, Incredicoaster, Coaster, you know, Pirates I really wanted to try Pirates. In Disneyland, and we'll get to that in a little bit. And so, because of that, not rope dropping, it wasn't too bad. We w- waited in a lot more standby lines than we probably would have if we hadn't rope dropped. But um, let's get to the next thing: Genie Plus or no Genie Plus. I know you're always a Genie Plus person, and we bought Genie Plus as well. But um, why don't you remind us, you know, why you love Genie Plus so much in Disneyland? And then I'll talk about why we probably could have gone away without it.
0: Sure. So, I mean, I love Genie Plus at Disneyland because. It's just that much more usable and hackable than the same offering at Disney World. I mean, most of the attractions are available, return times are available in fairly close, um, you know, time proximity to when you're booking them. With the exception of just, you know, higher crowd periods or the, the headliners like the Guardians or the Space Mountain, the things like that. But pretty much a lot of other rides, you know, Small World, you can often book in the afternoon for a return time that starts 10 minutes later so it's really usable for um getting in a lot of attractions i did the experiment when it first was released doing all 19 genie plus attractions in a single day while still having time for parades and a sit down dinner and drinks with a friend and it was like like I said shooting fish in a barrel but you know that's for people who like doing a lot of rides and that's not everybody you know and it's not necessarily you because a lot of those rides are duplicates of what you're used to doing at Disney World
1: right so I will say that where not road dropping hurt us was with genie plus like by the time especially at California Adventure you know oh so because we were never getting into the park before 11 a.m and Disneyland you know praise be park hopping is at 11 a.m i was like we're never like there's no reason for us to start at disneyland if we're not gonna get there by 11 a.m anyway it's just faster to walk through california adventure than to go around or at least that's what i thought and it's you know it's six in one half dozen in the other like you said so was doing california adventure every single day and so getting in at like 11 30 12 by then California Adventure return times outside of like Incredicoaster had backed up a little bit. Like Spider Man would be like three or four hours away. Guardians maybe two to three hours away. Soren was pretty close. Grizzly River Run, which is the um, better version of Cali River Rapids, I am now comfortable saying that it's an actual ride, unlike Cali River Rapids, which feels like just one single drop. There's a couple drops in that. That normally returned a little bit earlier but still like backed up a little bit but you know for the most part our genie plus return times were a little bit later so that wasn't ideal but what I really realized was um, I think not having genie plus it only really hurts you on just the headliner headliners, because I found that with Fantasyland, even not rope dropping, as long as we were willing to skip Peter Pan, we were able to get on pretty much everything. Like we would watch the app and it would balloon to 30 minutes sometimes, but it would drop to like 20, 15 minutes. So, you know, we did Mr. Toads, Snow White, uh, you know, all those smaller attractions, canal boats and Casey's was like five minutes, like, the whole time, and so we got to do like most of the. I, you know, it might have been a. I think weekends are. You know, we've talked about this before that weekends are um, maybe less crowded, or at least less pressure on those attractions. Maybe it's the same crowds, but you know, for example, just as an aside, Radiator Springs Racers Individual Lightning Lane was the cheapest on Saturday. It was the most expensive on Thursday. Cheaper on Friday. Cheapest on Saturday. I think it's because of the locals, when they go to the park on the weekends, they're not there to ride as much as you know, other things. I think you can definitely get away without Genie Plus, especially if you're there for you know, us being there for three days meant that we could really pick and choose which attractions we were going to if we were had to go into the standby line. We even did um standby for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway Leslie and we cheated a little bit by doing it like right after the parade. Um right as the parade was ending. I did not realize by the way that the parade started right over there by Small World and uh Mickey's Toontown. So I just stumbled upon that but when i realized that's where the parade was starting we were had already planned to go on small world i was like okay let's go on small world and then as soon as it's over watch some of the parade and then as the parade's ending book it to toontown um for mickey minnie's runaway railway so but even that like i never saw the wait time balloon pass like 45 minutes i, I definitely think it's doable without genie plus if you're trying to save the money because it is a little bit more expensive at disneyland and of course that also gives you the option of not having genie plus for every single day
0: yeah, I mean, I do think – did you check the touring plan's crowd calendar, like how, how bad the days were when you were there? Because it does sound like a little bit of a low crowd.
1: I did, low, it. It, or crowd. it felt good, yeah. It felt good.
0: Yeah, that sounds – when I when I hear 20 minutes for Toad in the middle of the day, I'm like, eh, I don't think crowds were as high as they usually are. So you, you probably got a little bit lucky with um, – a lot of California schools do start earlier in August, so you probably lost a little bit of uh, – the the local or the semi-local crowd um when you're yeah, actually
1: my la friend was starting that monday and he couldn't meet us because he was doing back to school stuff so i wonder if like that had an effect you know the weekend right before school is like when the people are doing like the least fun things so that might be it uh, and obviously that's that's just my experience i do still think that um if you're gonna you know the max ticket you can buy is like five days you know with five days at disneyland i think you can really you don't need Genie Plus for every single day.
0: Yeah, totally agree. I mean, for a longer vacation, you, you don't need it, but I am often taking one and two and at most three-day vacations for Disneyland. So I'm always the sucker who buys it.
1: <laughs> All right, so let's move on to kind of the next decision that you're making um, when you're going to Disneyland. And that was debating between table service and quick service. So we did two table service restaurants storytellers and blue bayou storytellers is a character breakfast uh blue bayou is the restaurant a la san angel in in the mexico pavilion at epcot where you're eating kind of under the stars but it's uh connected to the pirates attraction and we did two quick services uh actually no we only did one we ended up doing pim's test kitchen twice and i will say i feel the same way about table service and quick service as i feel about walt disney world in that one table service per day is probably plenty and plenty on the wallet and it's easy enough to eat quick service elsewhere and i i found leslie that there were less restaurants that i was interested in it was like really only blue bayou that i really wanted to go to at disneyland i'm not sure if there are restaurants that i'm missing or not thinking of
0: no, I mean, I think that's fair. There are not a lot of table service restaurants at uh, Disneyland overall. And a lot of them are, you know, in the hotels. So if you don't want to leave a park, that's not really on the table. There just, just aren't as many. And as a result, you know, you kind of do, if this is your second trip in the past year, you kind of start to hit them all and then you're looking at repeating them. And so as a result, I don't do table service every trip, you know, just because it doesn't seem worth it. But, you know, the character meals are pretty solid. Storytellers is great. They've got Goofy's Kitchen and the Disneyland Hotel. So those are some possibilities outside the parks. What do you think of your storytellers experience?
1: Yeah, I thought it was really good. Chip and Dale, uh, once again, heroes. Um, So, you know, they're just really funny. I don't know. Maybe they just hire great cast members to uh great friends of chip and dale to play them but they both came over like messed with my kids fruit Loop boxes dale even like used it as deodorant which i talked about on the patreon trip report which might like just totally cracked my kids up um and so had a really good time interacting with all the characters and you know probably like the best thing was so my mom was like cutting through um california adventure to like get to our hotel because Again, the one night. So my parents only came to us to the parks for one day. So there was one day where it was just our family of five. And then there was one day where my wife left, she went to San Francisco for a wedding and it was myself, the three kids and my two parents. And then the last day was just me and the three kids. Well, the day that my parents were there, they were cutting through California adventure to come meet us at grand Californian because uh, the kids were still asleep at like 10 30 or whatever so my dad went on Soren by himself like on the way through and then my mom came through and she like texted us and she was like there's no line for pluto should i line up and i was like yeah you should line up but by then she had already gone well at storytellers i made pluto come back i was like this young lady really wants to take a picture with you pluto so he came back took a picture with my mom uh it was an awesome interaction you know we got some of the kids in it um, and she really uh I don't know got a real kick out of pluto i think she wasn't or I, either her or my dad was like is that pluto or goofy and i was like you know trying not to disown them at the moment but uh you know it's really great i'm um, getting those character pictures especially those multi-generational ones especially when um my parents were really into it so we really enjoyed storytellers the food was pretty good outside of the hash browns were not you know whenever my kids see the word hash browns they expect like fried patties not like um you know shredded potatoes that are like fried. So they were a little disappointed by that. But other than that, it was pretty good. And Blue Bayou was excellent food as well.
0: Uh, I'm glad to hear it because Blue Bayou has been kind of up and down. Yeah, I mean, the food's never been like top, top, top notch, but it was down a little bit post COVID. So maybe, maybe it's on, on the upswing now. Fingers crossed.
1: Well, well, I got the Monte Cristo, which I think is the same exact Monte Cristo as Cafe Orleans. Um, And so when you deep fry a sandwich, like, I mean that is going to be what it is and then the kids all got like um little steaks and you know those are those were good for the kids um so you know we didn't try any of the fancier things oh I got the gumbo as well um which was fine you know it's not like it's not
0: like you can't mess up gumbo, gumbo. But yeah. well yeah so it's, it's always tasty it's, yeah
1: it's like uh it's like um the equivalent of Americanized Chinese food except for Americanized uh, American food. You, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Yes. It was not authentic gumbo, but it tasted fine. Uh, Theme park really version really. of yes. gumbo. No, yes. it, it,
0: it does the job. And you're, the kids' steaks, actually, that that is a great value. In fact, the last time we went, were there with our kids, um, my daughter, you know, she's now 14. She was probably like 12 at the time. And they let her order. She ordered a kid's meal. She ordered the kid's steak, but it wasn't enough food for a 12-year-old. So she ordered a second one. And ordering two kid's meal steaks ended up being cheaper than ordering the steak off the adult menu. So I mean, it's only, total that'd awesome only
1: yeah. Yeah, That'd only be $24. Yeah, that'd only be $24. I think this, I think the adult one's like $50. So you could order four. <laughs> four kids so, steaks. Uh, and it think works. Of all this, think of all the sides you can get. Although they don't have fries at Blue Bayou, much to uh, the kid's chagrin. But yeah, so that went well. Um, we really enjoyed Pim's Test Kitchen. I showed Leslie something that she hadn't seen from Disneyland before, which is that they have miniaturized, um, you know, shrunk down forks and spoons for the kids' meals, um, so that was pretty cool. Of course, my kids made me wash them and take them home. I, like, took them on the plane in my cargo pants. I hope I was like, I hope these are actually plastic because I'm walking through airline security with this in my cargo shorts. But, um, yeah, Pim's was a lot of fun. Like, Pim's was, we were not planning to eat at Pim's twice, and then my daughter, who is allergic to milk, like requested to go back to have their um, they have like a plant based pasta um, where the whole meal is milk free. Once again, Disney does a great job with allergies everywhere in Disneyland. we like, we weren't worried about it. And she requested to go back. So we had to go back. Um, and that was totally fine. And, you know, good to go there twice. And with mobile order, it was like really easy and it was pretty quiet at night as well.
0: Yeah, that's one of the best quick service restaurants, I think, at Disneyland right now. I end up there more often than probably a lot of other places, and it's, it's well located. It's easy to pop in and out, and now that the, the you know, hullabahoo or whatever the word is about uh, Avengers Campus has died down, it's actually one that you can go to and use and not have to do what you did in the first, you know, few months, which was make a mobile order reservation, like, hours and hours in advance. So definitely if you haven't been back more recent months, like it's a usable quick service restaurant now.
1: Yeah. And so that'll bring me to kind of like the last decision that we had to make. And that was, you know, and this, again, the decision was made for us, but, you know, you always have to decide between whether you're going to like follow the wait times, follow your Genie Plus reservations, or, you know, just go geographically. And then, like I said, my mom and of course my five-year-old, you know, similar Physical limitations. This is actually, you know, my oldest daughter was like, is this the first time we haven't had a stroller for anyone? And yeah, it was the first Disney trip, um, much easier in Disneyland than Disney World, that we didn't have a stroller. And so because, you know, the day that we were with my mom, and then the day, um, every day with my five year old, like there was only so much we could walk. And so because of that, we decided, or I decided because, you know, I was doing all the touring planning um, that we weren't going to cut back and forth. And it actually worked out really well. So, you know, I think it's easiest to go through an example of what I did the day that I was with my parents. So we kind of went in through California Adventure, started at Soren, which is right next to the Grand Cal um, entrance, then went to Monsters, Inc., which I'll have a little tip about that that I learned um, for Disney Do or Don't. And then after that, since we had done most of California adventure that day, we went back to Disneyland uh, or we went to Disneyland for the first time. And so that's when we went to Fantasyland. And you know, actually the other nice thing about Fantasyland is I knew that my youngest daughter, like she was not even the tamed down version of snow white. Like she was not going to, she wasn't going to be having it. So what we did as a family was actually my dad and Myself and the two older kids, we went to Fantasyland first, knocked out like Mr. Toads, Snow White, while my mom and my youngest stayed to do the Disney Junior Dance Party at California Adventure. They enjoyed that. Then they met us at Fantasyland. And then we kind of like as a group split up and went to like the different Fantasyland rides depending on what people wanted to do. So people went on the carousel a couple of times. We did Casey Jr. Like I said, um, we did like the various attractions. We, we knew we weren't going to do Peter Pan, so we didn't have to worry about that 40 minute wait time or whatever. And I really like that fantasy land hub area, Leslie, it's just so much more compact than Disney world that you can do that. Like we just had a meeting point at the carousel and then we just split up for like an hour and then we just met back there and it was great. Cause you know, with three adults and three kids, we could go to whatever we wanted to.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the footprint of Disneyland is, is tighter, and that can be a pain when the crowds are really high, but it's really convenient when you're, yeah, wanting to split up and meet back up. And, you know, I sort of view the park in my own mind like I will – Trapes back and forth between like Fantasyland and Tomorrowland, you know, not not thinking about it. They're not that far away, right? Or I'll even cross over into you know the first part of Frontierland or Adventureland, get going as far I was as, say as Pirates, and then I sort of treat the back sections of each park as ones that I need to like tackle purposefully at one time. So that's Galaxy's Edge and you know Critter Country. Those are far enough back in the park that I'm not going to crisscross for those sections. And the same for DCA, you know, Pixar Pier is too far to crisscross. Like, when you're going to Pixar Pier, you're going to do several rides at one time um, and Pixar Pier, and then you're coming back into the rest of the park. But, you know, other than that, like, I'll crisscross, you know, a lot. And I, I feel like you don't have, you, I mean, you get in a lot of steps at Disneyland. But it's doable, certainly for your two oldest. Um, you know, with a five-year-old, it's a little bit different, but you're 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 getting there, and you do have to sort of think about geography a little bit, but not in terms of just land by land. you can go between the several of the lands in some of the parks.
1: Yeah, I'll get the final distance count uh, when we're done. But it's exactly what you said. So because of my mom it was most it was more my mom than my daughter. I was like, we're not going to go to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Um, with my parents, we're not going to go all the way down there. What we did was after Fantasyland. that's when we went to small world. And then, like I said, went to small world, worked out perfectly. Watched the parade from small world. Didn't have the best view, but good enough. Like, you know, I realized more and more that if you don't need to take pictures, like there are plenty of great places to watch parades, um, at any of the Disney parks, you know, as long as you just need to see it and you're not like trying to take video or whatever. It's really like doable. So you know, we caught the second half of the parade from right outside the Small World gift shop, which um, funny that Small World has a gift shop. But you know, that's where we caught it from, and then went straight to Toontown, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, did that. Sent my mom back with uh, my youngest daughter and my dad. They went back to the hotel to get ready to swim, while. My kids swung by the Matterhorn. Leslie, I didn't try to duck this. Only was able to get two two Genie Plus reservations for it. Um, Okay, I did duck it, but I had to use the other Genie Plus reservations for other things. Went back to the hotel to swim, and then that's when, like you said, Pixar Pier is a little deeper. You know, we spent the evening in California Venture, did Web Slingers as a family of six. That was pretty funny, bringing uh, grandparents onto Web Slingers. Um, You know, yeah, they... Turns out uh, just randomly fleeing your arms is as good as trying, um, I'll just I'll just say that. And so we did Web Slingers as a family, which I was, I was really glad to get my parents on. And then the kids did like Incredicoaster and it actually worked out really perfectly because we got to watch World of Color 1 um, right after the park closed. They had a second showing at 1015 and um, the kids really enjoyed that. I thought it was good, too long, but not my favorite show, but I thought it's still worth watching at least once. So a really great day. At the end of the day, um, my mom... Oh, and then the other thing is I had to get my mom... Like I was like, they can't come back to our hotel before they go back to their hotel because I want them to be able to cut through California Adventure to get back. So including the one-mile round-trip-ish walk from Fairfield Inn, she did 7.9 miles on the day. So not too bad. And she texted me after. She was like, that's more miles than I've done in a long time. She's been having like some... Um, leg problems and she's like, but my legs, okay. So that worked out pretty great. So she's like, it's amazing. Like Disneyland is so much better than Disney world when it comes to walking and things like that.
0: Good, I'm glad it was a success. Um, Sounds like it was a great vacation. And why don't we close this out, Joe with our traditional Disney do or don't?
1: Yes, so my Disney do is something that I learned um, by experience, turned out Leslie knew the whole time, but was holding out on me. My, the day that it was just me and the three kids, the two older kids wanted to go on Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Oh, I think I told you this, Leslie, but uh, all five of us, my immediate family, went on Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. The five year old screamed throughout the whole entire thing like, screamed, like crying. You know, it's like, this is how you traumatize your child screaming the whole time, with the exception of like, before we got on, she's like, Oh, is Mantis on there? Somehow she knows Mantis. I think she thinks Mantis is pretty. And so she's like really into Mantis. And she's like, Oh, is Mantis there? And I'm like, yeah, Mantis is there. Okay. So we're going up and down, going up and down. She's screaming the whole entire time, right before like the last drop. That's when Mantis comes to pick you up. And so screaming, 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 stop. Oh, there's Mantis. Drop again, screaming again. So she like, stops screaming for like a split second to point out Mantis. But completely traumatized by the attraction. So the two older kids went by themselves and I was just me. So like, there was no one who could wait for them. So I took my youngest to go do the monsters Inc dark ride. Cause she really liked that one. And we were waiting in the standby line and we were waiting for like 25 minutes. And like, at that point I was like, okay, we can't, we can't wait any longer. Went to go back and get the kids leaving the queue. The cast member was like, if it's just you two, When you come back, ask for a buddy pass. Um, And so this is my Disney do uh, or don't. Don't ever wait in the Monsters, Inc. standby line because you can get this buddy pass, Leslie, since you knew about it. And I've been talking for a while. Why don't you describe what the buddy pass is at Monsters, Inc.? (laughs)
0: it's basically a single rider line, but it's for t- up to two people for that attraction because of how the seating works on the-, the ride vehicles there. And I'm sorry you didn't know about it. I mean, I never have a reason to use it because I'm either getting G-Kini Who would, Plus, really? Who right. would? Right. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know. I knew you were going to be with three kids. I was like, what good is a buddy cast for that? But it was good for doing it with one of the three kids. So yeah, but it basically is just a single rider line. And it's not always offered if I remember right or it's only when you know it's kind of like the single rider line at goofy sky school it's a little bit hit or miss as to whether it will be working but if the line's long enough sort of middle part of the day you can often get it
1: yeah and it seems like uh and because I knew that cast member was still going to be there I knew like it was going to be fine, and actually, all three kids ended up benefiting from it because since the older two are ten and eight, they can single ride or they can buddy pass it themselves. So we all went on that attraction again. But uh, overall, it was a really great time. Um, really enjoyed Disneyland. Um, had a lot of fun. Uh, the kids are obsessed with Incredicoaster now. I think it's you know time to like take them to a uh, Six Flags or uh, Cedar Point or something because I think those two older kids like. They are ready for it. Um, they were, like, so pumped to go on coaster at night, Leslie. They, like, thought it was, like, um, one of the greatest things that they would like, ever done. We um, kept talking about it. And, oh, also, we also got to go on Radiator Springs Racers again at night, which uh, I highly recommend. You know, if you're going to buy the Lightning Lane for it, buy it for, like, later at night um, when the sun is set. Uh, just can't beat radiator Springs at nighttime. So overall awesome trip. Um, Thanks everyone for following along. I really enjoyed it and hope people can get out to Disneyland sometime. All right. So that will close out uh, the Disneyland trip report. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Leslie, for being my uh, guy or girl in the chair, whatever it's going to be, you know, because I'm always messaging Leslie while I'm there, like asking questions live. Um, So, everyone get you a disneyland friend like leslie but uh yeah thanks everyone for listening and other than that leslie thank you for taking the time to talk to me and i will see you holding out not telling any of your other friends about the monsters inc buddy pass
0: thanks joe